Welcome back to the Penalty Box Podcast. This is your host, Will Pesek, coming to you live from the Martiri Building Studio on this cold day of November, the 13th day of November. We're flying through the months right now. We have a lot to discuss today on the Penalty Box Podcast and an exciting show coming your way at 545 with Corey Picard. He'll be joining us in a couple of minutes for the Sensational Sports Trio, but right now... As we love to talk about hockey, let's get right into it. Had to relocate studios today, um, but we're back, and I actually like this setup a lot better. Uh, it's a lot bigger in here. Um, got a nice little view of outside. So, uh, although it is dark out, joining us over the phone, Liam Godimer. Liam, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Will. Always good to be back on the show. Uh, yeah, good to be uh, talking about hockey. I mean, it was a great game you know, over the past week. I think, Will, we have to talk about the game from last night, the Rangers and the Penguins. They uh, got the 3-2 overtime win. So what did you think about the Rangers last night? I'm going to say from the Ranger fan to the Islander fan, what did you see out of the Rangers and what did you like from them? It's, you know, really interesting. But, Liam, I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But as an Islander fan, I'm going to be honest with you, I have never seen this much offensive outburst from Ryan Strome. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, actually, it's funny. Uh, interesting fact on Ryan Strome. This is going back to last year. I mean, this could be due to that. It is due to the fact, mostly, that he was acquired earlier in the year. But last season, there was no player who scored more points after being acquired from his new team than Ryan Strome. So, uh, Brian Strome for Ryan uh, and the Edmonton Oilers, and Strome has produced. I mean, obviously, it comes down to who you play with. I mean, Strome, in the early part of this year, due to Mika Zibanejad's neck injury, he's been playing with guys like Artemi Panarin, sometimes Capo Caco. So, when you're playing with those skilled guys, points are to come. But you got to like what you see. You know, God, Ryan Strome has really found a home in New York. You know, he's one of those guys who really needed a uh, change of scenery to find his game, and he really has. I think he's really been a nice fit in New York, but as far as, you know, uh, extreme longevity for Ryan Strome, I think that he's going to be on his way out, you know, as the Rangers continue their rebuild. But for right now, he's been producing. You know, it's funny because this guy could get you back a ton at the trade deadline if the Rangers fall out of it, and he's producing at the clip he is putting up, and he had 50 points his rookie season with the Islanders, and there was a lot of high hopes surrounding him. And, of, of course, he did not have the greatest sophomore season in the first year in Brooklyn. They traded him away to the Oilers in exchange for Jordan Eberle. So Islanders did win that trade at that time. And the Rangers also won the trade between Ryan Spooner. So this guy is still very, very young, and he could adapt nicely into what the Rangers are trying to do here. But to answer your question, Liam, there is a lot of things I liked about that Rangers game last night. And to be quite honest, they're being more consistent. Capo Caco is getting into a group, just like Jack Hughes. They were late bloomers. It took them a very long time to get accustomed to the NHL defenses. Guys are playing well, and the goaltending has been very, very, very good. And you look at this, Liam. They have 18 points. They are four points out of the second uh, wildcard spot with a lot of games in hand. Toronto has 22 points with 19 games. The Raiders have only played 16 games, so they have a ton of games in hand. So, Liam, just because it's November, they have still have a legitimate shot to be in this race. Yeah, they do, and you know they have every right to be in this race. And you know it comes down to a couple factors, and I'll, I'll dig into them individually. And the first thing I want to look at is goaltending, and I think that we really have to put this conversation to bed that Henrik Lundqvist is on a steep decline with his age. Yes, 
Uh, it is getting up there in age, and most players tend to regress at that age or even before that age, you know, heading towards uh, early 40s. However, Henry Bunkwitz has played out of his mind this season. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've watched every single Ranger game. I'm sure you've been able to catch some highlights. But just going back, if you want to catch, you know, his performance in Carolina uh, earlier last week, he was absolutely brilliant. 45 saves, gave up uh, two goals, one on a beautiful deflection, and another one that went off of Leas Anderson uh, and between Lundquist's uh, legs. So he was absolutely brilliant in Carolina. He is really turning it around, and he is really, uh, you know, uh, doubting those naysayers uh, earlier in the year that saying that his age was going up to decline his play. This is the same that uh, Henry Conquist, or I'll even go as far as to say this is a better Henry Conquist than I've seen as a Ranger fan in the past two years. And this is the youngest defense that's been in front of him. And I think that this is a guy who's really committed to the team that he has in front of him right now. And I think the talk really has to go to bed. He really has to subside that he's going to be on the decline because I have seen the exact opposite. And, you know, I'm asking you as somebody who's on the outside looking in, how do you feel about Lundqvist? Do you think he's on the decline? I certainly don't. I think he has a lot more to offer. I certainly think he can maintain the starting role within the last two years of his contract, including this uh, particular season. So just give me your thoughts on that. You know, I really think that we have to put this to bed, you know, that Lundqvist is, going, is a declining goal. Because some things uh, get better with age, just like fine wine. I think Lundqvist is no different. Well, Liam, you know... I find myself guilty of that because I've been saying for the past couple of years he's not the same goaltender that he is. And, you know, he's shown signs of flashes that he could be with the goalie he was earlier in his career. But I think we both have to come to an agreement here that he's not the type of goalie that's going to start 60, 70 games in a regular season. If the Raiders want him playing at the same clips he's playing at or the same clips he was playing was, you're going to have to at least ask for 25, 30 games from Alexander Gorgiev. Oh, absolutely, 100%. And, uh, and, that, and that's not to say, I'm not making my point without saying that Alexander Gorgiev is not capable of going into the net and giving the Rangers 30, 35 starts, you know, uh, in a season, you know, where they really need to give some Lundqvist some rest. If the Rangers want any shot at the playoffs, they need to have Lundqvist at, uh, at his full capacity. So that that is definitely giving Lundqvist a bunch of rest. But, you know, and that's not to say if the Rangers don't have backup options either. You know, you look at Georgiev, if the Rangers decide to go full force with Lundqvist and, you know, see what he's got for these past few years. Because, you know, you look at goaltenders, you know, especially Hall of Fame goaltenders, you know, they do get tend to get better with age. And, you know, I really don't think Lundqvist is, is much different. I don't think from watching this team – Last night, I think that there are some holes, but I don't think that they're very far away from contention. I think that they need to have a more complete roster. I think that they need to fill it out down the middle a little bit. But I think with some tweaking uh, and some good coaching, I think the Rangers can really go places. So my main point is just don't write off Henry Bunkers yet. This guy's a Hall of Fame goaltender for a reason, and uh, the Rangers certainly have the capabilities to make a run at this thing. So we'll see. I like what I saw last night. The defense was brilliant last night. I mean... Will, you love talking about Tony D'Angelo and how confident oh, he is. But I think we have to start talking about somebody else, and that's Adam Fox. Uh, the Hobie Baker finalist from Harvard uh, came over in a trade with the Carolina Hurricanes last year and uh, in the offseason. And, Will, that's looking like an absolute steal. The Rangers had to give up the second-round pick and a third-round pick for the rights to Adam Fox. Then they went on to sign him to an entry-level contract, and he's been brilliant. The offensive upside this guy has is just off the charts, and watching him in three-on-three overtime was uh, really a thing of beauty. 
Well, Liam, that leads me right into my next question about how well Adam Fox has been playing. He looks like a stud defenseman for you guys. You know, there was a lot of uncertainty with him, whether he was in Carolina, which had traded him to the Rangers. But my question for you is with Adam Fox and Tony D'Angelo on, on this young defense, because it really is very young, Libor Hijik, you have Mark Stoll, who's pretty much the only veteran on that defense with Jacob Truba. Can the Rangers win and go to the playoffs this season with that young defense, or will it take maybe another year for that defense to get experienced to go into next season? But can they go this year with this defense? I think they can. We saw a lot of it with Carolina last year. Islanders had a very young defense last year with Devon Taves, Ryan Pulak, Scott Mayfield, Adam Pellick. We've seen it in the past. Do you think they could do that? Uh, you know, I think that they can. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, based on skills, you know, the, those top six that you just described certainly have the capabilities. But I think that you can look at this situation and say that the Rangers are going to need an absolutely brilliant performance from Henry Conquist down the stretch, no matter how well the defense plays. You know, they, there are, they are going to give up grade-A chances. They are rookies in the league, most of them at least. Mark Stahl is out four to six weeks. Uh, he did have surgery on his ankle, uh, I believe, so that gets him off the roster uh, for a little bit. So Ryan Lindgren, uh, defenseman who they acquired in the Rick Nash trade uh, from Boston Bruins uh, last season at the trade deadline, has slotted in. He's played real well. So, like I said, it's a young defense. They're very talented, but at the end of the day, they're young and they're inexperienced, and they're going to go through the troubles that you know for our young players go through in the National Hockey League. So it's going to result in a lot of grade-A opportunities for the opposition. I think Lundquist is up to the task, like I just described. So I think that they'll have a chance at this, uh, at this thing. And, you know, and I say at the playoffs. And I think when you look at the offensive upside, I mean, we've talked about it. You've talked about it with Tony D'Angelo. He's looking exceptional. I believe he has six goals. I believe he has an assist in last night's game as well. Adam Fox, what else can you say about him? I mean, we talked about it before, but he had a goal in two assists in last night's game, including the primary assist on Capo Cato's overtime goal. Uh, last night. So, look, the future is looking up. And, you know, even past the guys that are on the roster, even past the Levor Hayek's, the Ryan Lindgren's, uh, y- you know, you look down at the University of Wisconsin, you have Keandre Miller, who the Rangers drafted just a year ago uh, in the NHL entry draft, and he is looking to be an absolute stud. He's six foot three, six foot four. He's going to be a staple on that blue line. So the future is looking up, and there's going to be defensive reinforcements coming for years, you know, for the Rangers. So this year is just building upon what you have. But, you know, there's uh, definitely options coming up next year. Liam, I want to ask you a question about the Islanders now. They had a 10-game winning streak snapped to the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they have a point streak going right now. Uh, 12-game point streak they won against Florida. Now they have uh, old friend John Tavares returns tonight to Nassau Coliseum. No Mitch Marner for the Maple Leafs, so that's a tough loss for them. I believe this is Tavares' first game back since his injury. I don't know if that's accurate. Do you have any information on that? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but it's definitely one of the first few games yeah. to come back from the smoking finger, so, uh, you know, it is. With the way that defense on Toronto has looked, this could look like it'll be another 6-1 blow-up for the Islanders with the way that the Islanders have been looking as of late. But with the way that they played against the Pittsburgh Penguins, they blew a 3 nothing third-period lead, but they got a point. It was a really good response game against the Florida Panthers to not let that 3 nothing blow lead get to them against Florida. Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, obviously, when a team wins uh, as many consecutive games in a row as the Islanders did, you know, it's not easy to find flaws in their game. Uh, but against the Pittsburgh Penguins, like you just mentioned, you know, they gave up that three-goal uh, three lead. And that, that is a little bit concerning. 
uh, team tonight that is very heavy uh, offensively, regardless of you know the absence of Mitch Marner. So uh, I think that the Islanders tonight they have to focus on a good start. They have to bring the energy. I mean, I'm sure the fans in Nassau Coliseum are certainly going to bring the energy towards John Tavares. I mean, maybe not as hostile uh, <laughs> as last time, as the first time he came over uh, to, to Nassau Coliseum in his return uh, to the Islanders, but. I just think it's all about the start. It's all about the energy the Islanders are going to bring to the table. they got to be good defensively. I'm sure Barry Trotz is going to have them ready to go. But for me, it's all about the start uh, for the Islanders. And they got to jump on the Maple Leafs before the Maple Leafs jump on them. And, you know, don't take the absence of Mitch Martin for granted because this team is very, very talented up front. And that includes John Ferris. He's going to come into Nassau Coliseum facing one of the best teams in the National Hockey League right now with a little bit of a vendetta. You know, in one of his first games back, and you know, in uh, in an environment where it's uh, you know not the uh, not, not not the easiest. So, Liv, it seems like this time of year is Buffalo Saber talk. Last year at this time, they had a 10-game winning streak, and when they lost a game, they could never recover. This year, same story. Well, not a 10-game winning streak, but they've been playing very very well, but. They're on a five-game losing streak now and are 4-5-1 and one in their last 10 games. Is this becoming a trend with the Buffalo Sabres start hot week finish? What exactly is the problem with the Buffalo Sabres? Yeah, you know, I think the problem with the Buffalo Sabres is the problem that many teams in the National Hockey League have and really struggle with, and that's, that's consistency and finding consistency with their game. Look, you look at the Buffalo Sabres roster on paper, no doubt in my mind this team is talented. You know, you look down the middle, you find Jack Geichel, who's one of the premier centers uh, in the National Hockey League, uh, absolutely elite. You look on his wings, you see Victor Olsen, who's been absolutely brilliant on the power play. You know, has slowed down a little bit uh, since his uh, good offensive tear to start the year. You have Rasmus Stalin and Rasmus Ristolainen on the back end. Those two guys can stabilize your defense. Stalin has number one defenseman potential. He was drafted number one overall. You can't lose sight of that in the talent. In the net, you have uh, you have Carter Hunt. He's not uh, going to be the goaltender for the long-term future, but for the immediate future, he's in the net. He's been relatively stable. So for me, it all comes down to consistency with Buffalo. But I'm done, you know, really uh, uh, saying that they are going to be a good team or saying that they are going to be a bad team because well, they take me on a roller coaster throughout the season. <laughs> I don't know what team. I'm getting when it comes to the Buffalo Sabres, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut until the end of the year and uh, and uh, see where they turn out. But I liked what I saw when they were 9-0. Uh, not 9-0, but when they had a very uh, good start to the season. But since then, it's been, uh, it's just been a struggle, and it's just been a little bit of a downslide. But for Buffalo Sabres fans, you just want to find the consistency because on paper, the talent is there, no doubt in my mind. So. Turn our eyes to the Western Conference for a second here, and we spoke with the Dallas Stars and the San Jose Sharks a couple episodes ago, and here they are, five and six in the wild card race. Dallas eight eight and two with an eighteen points. San Jose eight ten and one seventeen points. San Jose has definitely been turning it around as of lately, and we spoke about uh, Pete DeBoer's job being uh, in question. They're playing much better right now, and the Western Conference is a little weaker than the. Uh, Easter Conference, Winnipeg, 10-8-1, 21 points. They man uh, the wild card spot second in the Western Conference. So it's right up for there for the taking. And you look at all the mediocre teams, Liam, in the Western Conference. Anaheim, Dallas, San Jose, Chicago at 16 points. They're still in the race. Even Minnesota and L.A. with 13 points are still in it. So the Western Conference is wide open right now. Yeah, you know, it certainly is. And, you know, it's 
really, you really don't know. We talked about it last week. You really don't know where certain teams are going to shake out, especially in that Pacific Division. I mean, right now, as it stands, Edmonton number one, Arizona number two, and the Canucks at number three. The Canucks have been playing relatively inconsistent hockey. Uh, the Coyotes, I think, definitely deserve a shout-out because they defeated both the uh, previous two years of Stanley Cup champions, the Washington Capitals and the St. Louis Blues, uh, two games in a row. So good credit uh, to the Coyotes. They're sitting 24 points, just two points back of number one Edmonton. And Edmonton, of course, we've talked about them the last couple weeks. They've shocked everybody. But as far as what you said, Will, and the middling teams in the Western Conference, I don't really see, you know, a lot of teams that really jump out on paper to me. Look, the Kings of Minnesota – they're dumpster fires. You know, they're not going to go anywhere uh, this season. They're both in the Alexis Lafreniere uh, uh, race uh, to get that number one overall draft pick. So that's really where their season's going to end up. Minnesota, they look like a good team on paper, but they're just not come together. Maybe they could turn it around because nothing has looked right. As far as the LA Kings, I do want to get into the Kings a little bit later uh, in the show because uh, I do want to talk about the Elliot Kovalchuk situation. I don't know if you heard about that, uh, Will, but look at the mediocrity of the Western Conference. Look at Chicago. I expected them to be a lot better, especially with Kirby Doc coming in. Robin Leonard, like we talked about in previous episodes, going with a 1A, 1B tandem uh, uh, with Corey Crockett. So that's been a little bit disappointing. San Jose has probably been the most disappointing player, if you ask me. Uh, Martin Jones just has not performed up to expectations. And when you look at the talent on that blue line, especially after signing uh, Eric Carlson to that huge contract, that is a huge disappointment. So there's a lot of question marks in the Western Conference right now. I really don't know where it's going to shake out, but let me tell you what, I like to see the young teams on top in the Pacific. Yeah, and, you know, that leads me into my next question about Ilya Kovalchuk. And, you know, they have him signed to this ridiculously heavy contract, and it doesn't really make much sense to me on why they're doing this. They should just trade him, literally get something back for him. Some team is probably going to take him. Maybe the Devils want to reunion with with Ilya Kovalchuk to just change that locker room. The LA Kings said that he's welcome to practice with them. Um, he's welcome to do anything that, except for play. He will be a healthy scratch. I mean, at, at that money, Ilya Kovalchuk is probably happy to be a healthy scratch, but I I don't see how a team rebuilding like the Los Angeles Kings, who got themselves into this mess with Ilya Kovalchuk, are going to keep him in this mess because they want to definitely clear salary. And I wouldn't be shocked if, if Jonathan Quick follows and... You might want to part ways with maybe, I'm not going to say Drew Doughty, but maybe Alec Martinez, uh, you know, Dustin Brown, just trying to clear Kevin. I and mean, the first one's got to go is Ilya Kovalchuk because of that heavy contract. Right, yeah. And, you know, you look back to a couple off-seasons ago where the Los Angeles Kings were really deciding where the direction of their team was necessarily going. And they thought that they were a lot closer to contending than they actually were. And they went out and they signed Ilya Kovalchuk coming from the KHL first opportunity in the NHL in a number of several years, and they wanted to see if they could catch lightning in the bottle, and they signed him to an atrocious, and Will, you can confirm if I got this right in the dollar side, it's $6.25 million per season, I believe, over four seasons when the contract was signed, three or four seasons uh, when the contract was signed, so that is absolutely abysmal. Will, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I really don't think they're going to be able to find a trade partner uh, at that clip and at that term, and you know, if they're not playing Ilya Kovalchuk, and if, I mean, hey, if they allow him to practice with them, that's great, but if they're refusing to have him play, there's something going on, you know, behind the scenes here that I think that any team that may be slightly interested will be Lirio, so... 
it's a lot of question marks. It's very odd to me, the situation, the fact that they're not letting him play. So I don't know. I don't really think a trade option is on the table. And if it was, I think it would have been done already. I think you trade him for a bag of pucks if you can. I think you kind of have to. And, you know, they're rebuilding. It, it all starts there with a new head coach, which they have. Um, just really sad to see a team that had so, had so much success in 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 recent years, winning a uh, few cups in a in like a certain stretch, fall off at this eclipse that they are falling off at. Liam, uh, one more question before we wrap up the show here. I want to go back to the Eastern Conference for a second. The Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who's in the top three in the Atlantic by the end of the season, and who's out? Ah, well, you know, as far as the top of the Atlantic Division, I think the cream of the crop of the NHL and the cream of the crop of the Atlantic Division, I think, is the Boston Bruins. You know, I mean, they've had a little bit of hiccups this past week. They lost to the Detroit Red Wings away in Detroit. That's not a loss you want on your repertoire. But, you know, you look really outside of that, they've been really good. I mean, they lost 5-4 in a shootout. They blew a 4 nothing lead to the Florida Panthers last night. So there might be a little bit of concern, but that top line is killer. And you look at a potential you know, trophy candidate, our trophy candidate, you look at uh, uh, David Pashenak, who's certainly been unbelievable for the Bruins. So I think that they sit number one. Uh, I think number two, I think it shakes out that um, that Toronto does get there. You know, uh, I'm not ready to pull the plug and say that Tampa Bay is going to be number two. I think they are going to see regression. Uh, coming from last year's place in their standings. And I think that's a good thing for the Lightning. I think not being number one, I think not going into the postseason with a ton of pressure as a top seed will do them well. So I think, you know, when you look at every championship team, you know, you look at the Capitals, they won the President's Trophy how many times? And they were unable to win the Stanley Cup. They had a bit of a down year, and they end up winning the Stanley Cup that year. So we see how, you know, it works out sometimes. So maybe it will work out uh, in the favor. It was a great show, and we'll call you in a little bit for the Sensational Sports Trio. All right, sounds good, Will. All 
All right. That was Liam Godimer. Does a great job as always on our show. Will Pesek, Liam Godimer, Peldy Box Podcast. Always go hockey.